0: everyone, thank you for tuning in to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Today's conversation, I think you're going to find it to be very interesting because it's quite a different tact from most of my conversations. Today I'm going to be speaking with Bradley Johnson, and he's a retired senior operations officer and chief of station with the CIA's Directorate of Operations. Now, has that piqued your interest? He has served domestically and abroad with numerous assignments, often during periods of armed conflict. He has served overseas in direct support of the war against terrorism. So there are some things that he's going to be able to talk about in a very general way, because obviously he can't divulge things that are top secret. Mr. Johnson is a certified senior expert in counterintelligence issues with extensive direct experience in the field, and he's a senior expert in surveillance and surveillance detection issues. Brad has expertise in dangerous operational environments with the highest level of training and has managed the overseas portion of the Persons Indicted for War Crimes program and served overseas as chief of station multiple times. In 2017, Brad founded the nonprofit organization Americans for Intelligence Reform to create awareness for political corruption and diminish capabilities within the intelligence community. And, you know, we hear a lot about the corruption. So it's really awesome that someone's standing up and is helping to educate the public. Hi, Brad. How are you?
1: Janine hi I'm doing fantastic thank you
0: well thank you for being on the podcast as I said this is going to be a little bit different for people we talked a little bit before turning on the recorder and you know as you know this is probably an area where I feel the the least educated so this is going to be a good education for me too
1: (laughs) all right Paul. looking forward to it
0: (laughs) so would you like to start with Afghanistan since that is so current? How can I say, disgusting that we have left all of these Americans and Afghanis who have helped Americans. We've just left them there. What's going on?
1: Yeah, what a mess. I, I actually heard a, uh, a general speaking about it, a retired general, uh on, uh, on Fox News. And I think he expressed it as well as anyone I've, I've heard. And what he said is that he could take the situation in, in Afghanistan as it was starting to deteriorate, he could go to any uh, lieutenant under his command and say, uh, hey, make me a plan on how to get out of Afghanistan. And that lieutenant, any random lieutenant, which, you know, for those non-military people, that's one of the more junior officers that would be under his command and, uh, and say, maybe we plan to get out of Afghanistan. And that lieutenant would have come up with something head and shoulders vastly superior to what we're doing right now. And I I think that just sums it up beautifully. I mean, any any guy with any even basic uh, training and little experience would would be able to do a better job of our exit strategy from Afghanistan than what we've done. I just, you know, the litany is almost becoming so long, it's 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 hard to cover everything. But just to hit a couple of the high points, the, the men left behind, people, I should say, left behind, and the equipment are two of them. There's American hostages being held. There's already people off this list that was apparently given to the Taliban. And what they're saying right now- What I is mean, that
0: about, Brad? What's that about, this list given to the Taliban? Why I, I don't understand.
1: Well, what they did now, this some of this I'm not sure of, like who precisely gave them the list, I I consider unconfirmed. But what they're saying is that when the director of the CIA, Burns, had that meeting with the head of the Taliban a few days ago, maybe what, four days ago, five days ago now, he gave them a list of these of these Americans and Afghanis that might be dual citizens or whatever that had been helping the U.S. military. And he said to them these are the people that we want you to let through to the airport so we can get rid of, we can take them out of the country. Now, of course, what did that do? He, he just put a big target on them. And and in that information, it had their name and phone number and identifying document numbers and things like that so that they could be identified. They gave them that list of information. I, I will say if, if indeed it's true, as rumors are that, that CIA director Burns gave them that list during that meeting, then he's toast. I mean, he's going to be gone. There's no way he'll survive that politically because those people, probably a a large percentage of them are dead already because once they're identified, the Taliban just start tracking them down and they go door to door. Now, in the U.S. press reporting, you see very little of this, but in the overseas press reporting, like out of Russia and other countries that are closer to Afghanistan, uh, you see these these people have been shot. You, You see the dead bodies in the street, uh, you see that some of them are are unlucky and they're not they're not just shot. They're beheaded. And they're going after these people and wiping them out. They're already doing it. The U.S. press reports that Taliban is behaving themselves. Well, yeah, OK, maybe in front of the camera, they're behaving themselves. But off camera, they're doing what they always do, and that's kill their enemies. And And these people are all viewed as their enemies. And let's not forget. See, this is the second time through for the Taliban. And the first time they were in power, there were a lot of people that worked against them when the Americans come in. So they feel those people were traitors. So mm-hmm. now they're tracking down all of those traitors and killing them one by one or two by two, how many ever of them they can get. And uh, it's, it's a nasty piece of work that's going on. They're wiping them, wiping them out, wiping them off the face of the map. So that list was a kill list. And I would add, see, this is a pattern we have seen come out of the Biden administration, Let's not forget when were when those, when those ransomware attacks going on and the uh, energy company got attacked by ransomware and there was an oil pipeline shut down on the East Coast, mm-hmm. it made uh, gasoline very difficult to get for everybody on the West Coast for a period of a week or so. and A lot of like 70, 80% of gas stations were shut down and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, on the heels of that ransomware attack, what did Biden do? He goes to Russia, talks to Putin and says, look, we know you control a lot of these ransomware attacks. And here's this list of, I believe it was 17 things that are off limits. Well, okay, what does that really do? Well, okay, maybe maybe ransomware attackers appear to be respecting that list, but it puts a target on the, on the back of absolutely everybody else that's not on the list. So what he said is don't go after these people, but everybody else is fair game. So any business out there in the United States that's getting ransomware attacks, Biden put the target on you. And this is the same thing now he's done with these poor, poor people in Afghanistan. He painted a target on their back and gave all the information on on them, on those individuals to the Taliban. And like I said, they're already being tracked down and killed. The question that nobody is asking in these, in these uh, pressers that they're doing with DOD and the White House and all that, nobody's asking the question, all right, you keep telling me you've gotten out 500 people and 1,000 people and this many people and that many people. How many of those people that you're getting out are on that list of 1,800 that you gave to the Taliban? Answer that for me. And mm-hmm. there, nobody has even the wavos to ask that question. But there's the real meat of what we need to know. How many of those people on that list that you gave to the Taliban have you gotten out since you gave the Taliban that list? And I bet you that number is abysmally low. And the ones that made it in there were not escorted in there by the Taliban. I'd be very interested to hear the interviews with anybody off that list. Mm-hmm. But again, nobody in the press, nobody, not even Fox News, nobody has. The, the, the you know, I would say courage, but I don't think that's the right word. But they know that if they ask that question, they're not going to be welcome back. But that's the key question that needs to be asked. And I pray to God, somebody will have the wherewithal to get up and push that issue, but it's not happening. One other side of this I want to mention before we move on to anything else is the equipment that's left behind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I have a list of it in front of me as we're speaking. And just to go over a few things, I mean, things like 8,000 trucks. Now those big, you know,
0: (laughs) 8,000, multi-ton
1: trucks, 8,000 of those plus over 22,000 Humvees and, uh, the Bradley fighting vehicles over 600 and you know, armored personnel carriers, 169 things like this, where there are areas of Afghanistan that are not under Taliban control that were always, uh, the Panjshir, that area, for example, is an area where one of the the vice president of of Afghanistan did not flee the country. He went to that area to join with the, the people there fighting back against the Taliban. Mm-hmm. And now those areas are seriously outgunned because the Taliban have all of this equipment. They have uh, 33 Black Hawk helicopters. There is a larger uh, MI-17 <sighs> helicopter, which is like a moving large amounts of troops and things Mm -hmm. uh, at a time, they've got 33 of those and smaller helicopters, another 43 of those and different. They've got four C-130 transports. I mean, they can move now Taliban soldiers all around the country and move a lot of men and material into those areas. And uh, just like assault rifles, just this is staggering. Over three hundred and fifty thousand assault rifles.
0: Oh, oh come on, okay, Brad. I know. No, no, I'm Brad, serious. Is this incompetence or is this on purpose? Because this is well, crazy. This is absolutely crazy.
1: That is the uh, again the heart of the question. There is no way that anybody with any sort of even basic training, somebody that had you know only been through two week training course, coming into a situation given authority over this, would not leave this much material behind for the enemy. So the fact that it was not blown up has to have been by the orders of somebody mm-hmm. because it would not have taken place, which by the way is the same thing for abandoning Bagram air force base, uh, just overnight packing up and leaving mm-hmm. that was ordered by somebody, even general Miley, who's more, more interest, He's the chairman of the joint chiefs of, of, uh, staff, the highest ranking, Uniformed military officer, right now, even he said in an interview, and he's a Biden supporter all the way. Uh, he was asked why was that place abandoned before you got everybody else out, because that was the that was the base from which you could have operated and done all these things. And he said, "Good question," and then wouldn't go on about it. So I mean, even he's looking at some of this stuff, going, "This is just this is crazy." And like I said, he's on the team that's doing this stuff, so it's it's just. Unbelievable. But for example, down there were a bunch of offices there, we call them bases in in the CIA. So there were bases all over the country that were being used in the counterterrorism efforts. Mm -hmm. This is all on the news now. So it makes it easy for me to talk about it. And one of those bases was had a particularly large amount of information in there and equipment and presumably other things of that nature. And they blew it up. And that was, I believe, yesterday might have been the day before, but within the last, say, two to three days, the CIA made sure that they were able to get in there and blow that up. Well, you know, if you think the CIA has the ability to deliver kinetic energy to a certain location, well, yes, they do, but not compared to the military. And yet the military didn't go in and blow up all this stuff. Why not? And that, again, is one of those questions that nobody in the press really wants to ask. Why was this material, if you couldn't get it out, why didn't you destroy it? Why would you leave 350,000 assault rifles for the for the Taliban and C-130 transports and other assorted aircraft and helicopters and uh, and and armored vehicles and weapons and radios and uh, even handguns and machine guns and all of this stuff? Why would you leave that for these people? And yeah, they did. And as I said, there's nobody. Again, you could not. I don't think you could find a first lieutenant that would look at it and say, yeah, sure, let's leave all this equipment for the Taliban. You know, they all understand you, you you know, in the entire history of mankind, everybody's always tried to, to destroy anything of any value as they retreat. Mm-hmm. And uh, why they did this, it has to have been done on purpose. It was done on the, at the orders of somebody. So then it's the next level is why.
0: Right. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you, you have... A lot of, uh, how many years were you in the CIA? 25. 25. Okay. So you've got a lot of experience. So what would you hypothesize as, because there's, to me, it seems there's a much bigger picture here, something going on. Um, what do you think?
1: I, I agree. And basically one of the things I always argue is Occam's race or the, 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 uh, Mm-hmm. The observation from Occam's razor and Sherlock Holmes is famous for having used <laughs> that. What you know, wh- whatever explanation you have that fits the data that you have, no matter how unlikely it is, is probably the right answer. And so I th- I think that's what we have to employ here. What fits all the data? For example, who's the big winner here? By leaving Bagram Air Force Base, who's the big winner by that? Mm. And the Taliban, yes, but they're not the big winner. The big winner is China. They are the truly big winner out of this. And by leaving all this equipment behind, again, who's the big winner out of that? Well, I would argue, again, China. China is an ally with the Taliban. They've already said they're going to recognize the Taliban government. They're already using their belts and roads program. They're already building a highway into Afghanistan via Pakistan, who, again, a big supporter of the Taliban. So now you've got this group of allies building a a major highway into Afghanistan afghanistan and what is that highway for it's for the transportation of mineral wealth back into china and that's what china's going to do there that's what they're after so this this air force base a major air force base where pretty much anything could have been staged uh that is so close to china is now suddenly gone and if you take a look at just who's in the the uh Biden cabinet. And I, I'll, I won't go through the litany of all of this stuff because it would take us probably three hours to get through it all. But <laughs> just, just for example, since we've already mentioned the CIA Director Burns. Okay. CIA Director Burns was previously the head of an organization, which I believe was called the Carnegie Institute for Peace. If I've got it wrong, it's something very close to that. But I believe okay. it was the Carnegie Institute for Peace. So he's made the director of this Institute for Peace. And lo and behold, suddenly, magically, millions of dollars come into the Carnegie Institute for Peace from none other than China. Well, how did that happen? Who did he know in China to make this money magically appear? And, you know, in case there's any confusion, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, China Communist Party is not some sort of benevolent society that gives away money. That's not what Chinese communists do. They're notoriously tight-fisted. So, If they're giving millions of dollars to Burns, who's the director of the Carnegie Institute for Peace, and that money only started coming when he showed up, if they're doing that, there is a good reason. Again, nobody ever asked these questions. It didn't come up in his confirmation hearings. I would like to know, (laughs) all right, you know, it's always a tit for tat. We know the first part. What's the tat? You know, what was the give back? What did you do for China that made them give you millions of dollars. Hmm. You know, I would be very curious. Where did those contacts come from that you had in order to, to arrange this deal? Hmm. You know, where is that part? And nice. so that's just Director Burns. Now, there's a lot of people that are in the in the Biden administration that have these ties to China. And I'm just curious as to, as to what those are.
0: Mm hmm. Now, I keep hearing about various politicians, and it's my understanding that it's you know it party is is not the issue here. It's Democrats and Republicans, but so many people are in the pockets of the Chinese. and the Chinese own uh, a lot of banks and it, I mean, just goes on and on, you know.
1: It does. And I would say one of the most egregious examples. and there are others. I mean, Mitch McConnell and his spouse, have made. Uh, she's from Taiwan. She's Chinese, and uh, I mean, she's a U.S. citizen, but she's of Chinese descent from mm-hmm. Taiwan. Uh, they've made millions of dollars of doing business, hundreds of millions of dollars, according to their financial disclosures, by doing business uh, with with mainland China. But probably the most egregious example, and the one that that I is well worth mentioning, in my opinion, is Diane Feinstein, the uh, the senior senator from California, mm-hmm. and a. Uh, uh, her husband is a venture capitalist, and they're they're worth. Now it's been a couple of years since I've looked at their financial disclosure, but it, if, if memory serves, they were worth roughly seven hundred million dollars, something like that, getting close to a billion dollars. That's a senator and her husband. Now, wow, he made roughly half that money by doing these venture capital programs with China. So here's a guy who's made well, you know, make let's be generous and call it 300 million, not more, who's made 300 million dollars by doing business with China. And again, you are not able to operate doing business at that level with China without the full backing of the Communist Party. And they don't do these things for nothing. They will make sure that whatever business is run is run with some sort of deal where they get what they want as well as letting you do business. I mean, both sides make money out of these deals, but they just don't operate that way. They're not like, well, yeah, let's just go do business with somebody that makes the best sense. It's good. Let's go do business with somebody that also gives us something besides just making money. That's how they operate. And so here's somebody who's made 300 million. Now, uh, in, you know, fairness to Dianne Feinstein, what she says is that there's a Uh, You know, uh, uh, that she completely separates her business, her business as senator from her husband's business where she's making this amount of money. But again, I I point out, you know, okay, there was also this guy on her staff for 20 years out in California who is her uh, manager of her office out there who is a Chinese spy. 20 years is a very, very long time. And the FBI, you know, talk about disparity in behavior. So the FBI comes across this, they discover that this guy is a spy for Chinese intelligence. And what did they do? They went to Diane Feinstein and said, "Hey, this guy on your staff is a spy for China." So Diane Feinstein comes out and says, "Oh, okay, I'll fire him and, you know, he was out here in California, he was never at my office in Washington D.C., and so he had no access to classified information." Well, Okay, let's take that at face value. Let's say that's true. Let's say he'd never been to Washington, D.C., which I I would if I were a betting man, I would say that's not true. But let's just say it is true that he had never been out there, never looked at any classified uh, cables or any or communications or or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. Well, so what? You know, that guy in that position he, as manager of that office, knew every donor to Diane Feinstein. And let's talk about how D.C. works. So he knows who ha- where all the money's coming from. He's helping to arrange donors. He's arranging her meeting schedule out in California. And what is it she does when she's out in California? She meets with donors, I mean, among other things. But she's mm-hmm. meeting with donors. So he's arranging her schedule and all this sort of thing. So he's a spy for China. How hard would it be to arrange a meeting with somebody who gives – $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 to Diane Feinstein's campaign. And they say, oh, by the way, Senator Feinstein, my nephew really wants to work on the Hill. Can he have a job in your office out in DC? What is she going to say? No, screw you, get out of my office. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mr. So-and-so who just gave me tens of thousands of dollars for my campaign. She's going to say, you know, heck yeah, come on, bring, you know, have your nephew come out. And that nephew has been handpicked by the Chinese spy Who's also a Chinese spy, mm-hmm. and so they've got this pipeline into Dianne Feinstein's office with these low-level employees that go out there. But that gets their their foot in the door. And how does it work out there? I mean, a lot of people, you know, haven't been on the Hill and don't see this. But these guys are low paid, so what happens is they move around to other offices. So once they're on the Hill uh, working, they find out well, Senator so and so from uh, you know Oregon. They also need somebody, and you know he 'll make a thousand dollars more well, at this low level of pay that these guys get, a thousand dollars more or two thousand dollars more is helpful, mm-hmm. so they move around so it 's like musical chairs uh, for these for these staffers, the low level staffers on the hill because they 're constantly moving, so you would have this natural pipeline of bringing people into diane feinstein 's office and they spin off into some other office out there, and you could just permanently be bringing these people in. Over a 20-year period, and trust me when I say this, Chinese intelligence, they're not a bunch of morons. They're professional intelligence officers as well. And if I had been charged with of that case, if I were a bad guy, you know, working for the Chinese communists, mm-hmm. which will never happen, I might add. But if I were, <laughs> they, that would be one of the very first things I would do. This is just one of the most simplistic things anybody would think of. So. To, to suggest that that spy did not use that office in order to put his own people or people that were selected by the Chinese communists to act as spies into the, on, you know, into these staff positions on the hill is st- just, I'm stunningly naive to suggest that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But a couple of things, you know, that nobody's ever looked at it. There has not been, the FBI should have done a damage assessment and they have not. And so we don't know. Could they have put five people that are now sitting in some desk on the hill on this in a staff position now having access to perhaps classified information? Could they have put 20? Could they have put 50? You know, yes to all of those. It could be a huge number of people. We just don't know because nobody's ever looked. So we've got this Chinese spy. The FBI goes to Dianne Feinstein. She fires him and it's over. Nothing more is done. The same thing. And that was an actual spy confirmed to be a spy. Wow. There The rumors that Donald Trump has maybe some connection to, to this guy who's this unpaid volunteer on his staff who had some meeting with a Russian ambassador, you know, some nebulous story that like maybe there could be some spy activity here. And what does the FBI do? They go get a FISA warrant to spy against a sitting President Trump to spy on uh, the campaign and the presidency, three renewals, the original plus the three renewals. That is how the FBI treated Trump and how they treated Dianne Feinstein. Now, this brings me to one of the points I I make everywhere and as often as I can. Mm -hmm. You cannot look at just those two things and say that is not corruption. That is the deepest, darkest, most evil corruption, political corruption that now is so clear at both the FBI and the DOJ at the senior levels. I'm not talking about, you know, the working man and woman at at DOJ or the FBI mm-hmm. out in the field especially. The further right. away from Washington DC or New York, the better the chance you've found an honest person. Mm-hmm. But the closer you are to those two places, once you get to senior levels, you're 100% sure that they're politically corrupt because they don't bring anyone in that isn't. So this is this is where we find ourselves today. This is just shocking and horrible and yet these things they just don't get the attention. Again, almost nobody in the process talking about it. But everything I said, all of this stuff is 100 percent verifiable and easy to find. This is all stuff that probably everybody listening to your program has already heard, you know, most of it at least. And yet, you know, where is the damage assessment that was done uh, with this spy on Dan Feinstein's for two decades Where is it? That's a requirement, and it's not there. They can always make an unclassified version that would be released if it's done, but they don't do them. Mm -hmm. And we know that they broke the law. It's clear that laws were broken in this FISA warrant and the renewals against candidate Trump and then later President Trump. And yet, where is that? Well, there's a Durham investigation supposedly still going on, but. You know, you don't need two years to do that. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this now is that it's a stall and we're going to see even though we know the laws were broken, uh, we're going to see the Durham investigation turn into a nothing burger, which I might add, you know, take a look at a couple of other examples of that. The Anthony Weiner laptop Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. Anthony Weiner laptop, uh, former FBI director James Comey came out and said that there were. 12 to 14 strings of communications on there that each had a few hundred classified documents in them. So 12 to 14, a few hundred classified documents in each, we're talking, you know, two or 3000 classified documents. Mm -hmm. The IG did a report, the inspector general of the FBI did an internal investigation and they went and spoke with the FBI agent out in Seattle that discovered this laptop, the Wiener laptop. Mm -hmm. They were looking at it for child porn stuff And found the classified documents on there. Right. In that laptop, he said that James Comey misled the American people on the number of classified documents in that computer by a factor of 10. Okay, that's the FBI agent in the IG report out of the FBI. This isn't anything. This is no speculation. This is black and white in that report. So now we're not talking two or three thousand. Call it twenty five hundred. You know, we're not talking twenty five hundred. Now we're talking 25,000 classified documents on the Anthony Weiner laptop. Wow. One of the other things that came out of that IG report is that FBI agent said there's also a second memory in that computer with an equal number of data that he did not look in to see what was there, but it contains about the same amount of data. Well, OK, no proof because we don't know. But that would imply that you can now double that number. So we're no longer talking 25,000 classified documents. We're maybe talking in the neighborhood of 50,000 classified documents.
0: What's he doing with all this?
1: How does he have it? It sits in Quantico under FBI lock and key, and nobody's doing with anything. But with I mean, what,
0: what was Wiener doing with it all? Uh, how did he get a hold of all this?
1: Well, since it was never investigated, we don't know. I mean, that's the problem. How is that not corruption? You know, we, <laughs> yeah. They know the law was broken. The FBI is freely admitted to it. James Comey admitted that those, those, those classified documents were out there. And each classified document that you take home breaks the law. Individually, mm. they break the law. Now, some would be maybe a misdemeanor. Some could be a felony. It just depends. But out of maybe 50,000 uh classified documents, you know, damn well, there's a whole bunch of felonies in that mix. Mm-hmm. And because they said some of these are CIA, some are from other organizations, presumably NSA, for sure, State Department and those sorts of things. So there are all sorts of classifications that would be on these documents. Now, where they came from is speculation because the investigation was never done because the FBI leadership is politically corrupt. They don't investigate Democrats. So Anthony Weiner, let's not forget, was a congressman from New York, if memory serves. And mm-hmm. is, I may be wrong on that. But I, 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 think I think it
0: was New York, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so they're not going to investigate it. But uh, every one of those is a crime. Now, does it go back to Hillary Clinton? Probably. Anthony Weiner was married to Uma Weiner, mm-hmm. And Uma Weiner was Hillary Clinton's assistant. Mm-hmm. So probably that's the chain. But we don't know that. It, that should be investigated to find out. What if he got them from some other source? I mean, who's to say? We don't know. And also, what about the damage done in those? Because those probably, if they're on his personal laptop at home, the Russians and Chinese and any kind of even half-decent intelligence agency in the world hacked them all. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we don't know what the Chinese know if they got them. We don't know what the Russians know if they got them. And that's part of a damage assessment. You want to know- This operation was compromised because the Chinese got their hands on the details of it. And maybe we're still running these operations and the Chinese know all about it and they're screwing with us all over the world with this stuff. We don't know because of this corruption that exists, this political corruption that exists uh, at at the senior levels of basically every agency Certainly in the intelligence community, but every agency, just in general, I mean CDC, everybody, and let we're, we won't even I you know we, I don't know if you want to get into the Hunter Biden laptop, but the same thing. There's a lot of illegal activity shown on there. Things mm-hmm. talking about bribery, bribery, which possibly includes Joe Biden in it. Uh, there is uh, uh, you know use of illegal drugs, meth, mm-hmm. methamphetamine. It appears. Uh, that appears to be sex with underage prostitutes and oh, God. It, it's a lot of stuff that that's how it looks on those videos. Uh, but we don't know because it's never investigated. Nothing ever comes out of this stuff. So we just, we just don't know. And, and like I said, if, if you are part of this and I, I don't exclude, uh, the old boys network out of the Republicans because They are also not doing a damn thing about any of this because a lot of those guys are guilty of the same sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. They just think that are excused out of all of this because of who they are. Now, you know, they always talk about truth to power and uh, and, you know, nobody's above the law and all that. But what they mean is. Nobody's above the law except us. Right, <laughs> and if we're part of this club, we're above the law. But all you peons out there, all you American citizens, you you are subject to the law. And I can tell you one thing: if I had ever done you know, any little tiny fraction of all this stuff, I would have been sitting in jail. And I can't even you know I I don't think it would be hard to estimate how many classified documents I've ever seen or held. I just I'm sure tens of thousands, and you know to bring those home would it just would never even occur to me that 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 would be something that 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 I would do mm-hmm. and yet we find them there on Anthony Miller's laptop and nothing absolutely nothing police could work on something like this any small Sheriff's department. Now they'd have to have a clearance to do it, but any small sheriff's office would have more than enough skills to handle this case. They they would just go to Anthony Meir and say, Anthony, uh, fifty thousand classified documents on your laptop at home. Now the minimum of those is probably going to be you know thirty days in jail, but those felonies are all life imprisonment. So you know all all totaled up, we've got you here for about seventy five thousand years of jail time. So how would you like to make a deal? How would you like to <laughs> tell us where you got these or do you want to do those 75,000 years in jail? And I can, I'm, you know, I can tell you right now, Anthony Weiner is going to cry like a five-year-old girl and tell him everything he knows mm-hmm. after he wets his pants. And they're then going to go to the next person. Now let's say it did come from his wife, Hama Weiner, and uh, they go to her and say, gee, comma, you know, we've got these 75,000 years worth of jail time. How would you like to tell us where you got this stuff or would you like to do the time? And they just go up the chain until they get to whoever's guilty of it. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things I, I I haven't talked about this in a while, but maybe worth saying is now the the things that that Hillary Clinton was getting, which that's the likely origin of this stuff. But as I said, we don't know. But that's the likely origin. Uh, those things that she if you go back and look at some of her her press statements at the time that this was all coming out, she said, well, they weren't marked classified at the time. But those documents to be produced are have classification markings on it. So there's no such thing as a classified document not being marked classified. Okay. But most of those markings are in the header or the footer. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a, a single or, or a letter or two at the end of a paragraph that will mark the classification of those individual paragraphs that does exist too. But by and large, the, the document is marked classified in some way, confidential secret, top secret, whatever. So for this to have, for all of those classified documents to have ended up on uh Hillary Clinton's BlackBerry, which is where she was reading these, according to all the press reporting, Mm -hmm. that means that somebody was sitting in her office on her classified computer system, printing them off. Once those were printed off, they took a pair of scissors and cut off the header and cut off the footer (laughs) that showed the classification markings. And then they scanned it and sent it out on their personal computer to Hillary Clinton.
0: Wow. There's
1: essentially no other way to do this. That's really the only way that you can move those classified documents onto an unclassified system, and it's particularly revealing that Hillary Clinton said, "Well, they weren't marked classified," uh, which is a typical lawyer's response, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, don't answer the question, give them some answer that that makes you look good, but basically shows you're skirting the law. Right. And 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 I think that's precisely what happened because there's really no other way to do it. So. That means and if if, for example, these fifty thousand classified documents that could be out there, even the twenty five thousand, I mean that's a lot. How many of those yeah. could you do in a day? You know? So that means there was a full team of people doing that, basically 24-7.
0: That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, why to go to that effort, it just it boggles my mind, I have to say.
1: It should. And if you'll recall then, on the heels of this, the DOJ made a deal with all those people on Hillary Clinton's staff and let them personally smash up their BlackBerry phones and gave them immunity based on no real deal. There was no, there was no tit for tat there. They just gave them the rights to destroy their phone and gave them these immunity deals. Well, now that's very interesting. I, you know, again, this, this, this needs to go through the court system. So we see what really happened. But it it just it looks so suspicious. It looks like this was, again, political corruption, senior levels at the DOJ covering up for Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton's staff, making sure that none of them got in trouble. And so I I think that's that's probably what really happened. But unfortunately, I don't think it's anything we're ever going to see an investigation on.
0: Wow. So, Brad, I mean, who's pulling the strings? It it seems to me the CCP, and and I want the listeners to know when we talk about the Chinese, we're talking about the Chinese Communist Party, not not Chinese people, because there are a lot of good Chinese people, but we're talking about the Communist Party. They seem to have infiltrated just about every walk of life in the United States, maybe here in Canada too. Um, what what's the what's the end game here? <sighs>
1: Well, uh, you know who's pulling the strings again. You, you've got great questions, and your, your uh, reasoning is perfect. I, there's there's multiple players uh, at work here, and certainly the Chinese Communist Party is one of them, and they're they're twisting things to their own advantage so they can do what they want. And very high on that list is that they go back into Taiwan, and I don't, I haven't heard anyone suggest that. Biden's handling of Afghanistan has discouraged the Chinese from doing anything they want. Mm. I think it's encouraged them greatly to feel free to go do whatever they want. So uh, I think the Chinese feel a free hand. But here, more domestically, I think what we're seeing is the hand of Obama. And I think Mm -hmm. Obama still controls a great deal of the Democrat Party mm-hmm. and has the loyalty of more people within the Democrat Party than Joe Biden. I think everybody recognizes that. And, and I don't say this in a cruel fashion, but I, I think everyone recognizes that that uh, Biden is suffering from dementia mm-hmm. and it's yeah. gotten markedly worse. And all of the symptoms are there. this, you know, uh, snap fits of anger and uh, kind of being a mean and nasty person with his you know, some of his attitudes towards those poor people that was deserted in Afghanistan and things like that, that it just shows those, those are many of the same things that pop up in people suffering from dementia. It's some of the, the, the things often documented and talked about the mm-hmm. change of personality. Right. And uh, so I think it's clear. And let me say, I mean, like I said, I don't like Joe Biden. I don't respect Joe Biden. I think, you know, looking at what his son, how he behaved with drugs and And the night his one son died, that wife of the dead son was in bed with the other son that same night of his death and all this sort of stuff. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just that's really low life, terrible, awful behavior. So that's my opinion of, of Joe Biden and his family. But at the same time, what's being done to Joe Biden? I mean, this is this is elder cruelty. This is elder abuse. And that guy should not be in that office where he can be doing these Stupid things, but there's people taking advantage of him to their own for their own purposes. I think Jill Biden, his wife, is is one of those people that's very guilty of this. I, I you know, she cannot possibly be unaware of, of the dementia. And mm-hmm. yet she's there propping him up and with him and, in fact, leading him around. You can see him just sort of follow her as she walks wherever she goes. He just kind of trods after her and stuff like that. So I think she's really the sort of day to day handler and is fully aware and cooperating with this. What I would I would call elder abuse. Uh, But back to Obama, uh, I think there's long been rumors that President Obama has intended his wife, Michelle, to become president. Mm -hmm. So I think many of these things are starting to shape up Uh, the the, some of the Republicans, minority leader McCarthy that in the House side has started talking today in the press cycle and yesterday a little bit about it's time for Joe Biden to resign. There's also talk of the 25th Amendment, which would remove Biden for mental incapacity, which seems very realistic and Mm -hmm. certainly would would take place at some point. And uh, those those things are starting to get talked about more and more. On the Democrat side, Obama was quoted not long ago of having said, and I'll I'll leave out the bad word, but what he said was, uh, you know, never underestimate uh, the ability of Joe Biden to F things up. And I, I think that's dead on accurate. And so, and and Obama refused to endorse Biden in the election too. His own vice president for for eight years, he didn't endorse. Uh, so I, there's no love lost, at least coming from. Uh, the Obamas. I think Biden actually genuinely liked Obama, but I don't think Obama likes him or respects him at all. So I think a lot of the maneuvering are the Obamaites, if you will, in the background, and they're controlling a lot of the stuff. And if you look at some of the people that Biden picked around him, I think there's a strong Obama influence among them, not all, of course, but but among them. Mm-hmm. So I think what's happening is, is this is all being maneuvered. They're allowing Joe Biden to do this because they also do not care What happens to our soldiers, our military, those people left behind in Afghanistan? I don't think the Democrats, any of them, care. Uh, They only look at it as how they can benefit politically from the situation. So I think where they're headed is they're going to let Joe Biden screw this up, no matter what it does to people, and they'll let him go down in flames based on this. So I think it's going to get some backing out of Democrats over time, at least behind the scenes, and I think quietly somebody's going to go down the hallway Much like they did to Nixon and Watergate and say, you know, time for you to go because we're not going to back you anymore. I think there's going to be a conversation at some point in the future with Joe Biden just like that, where the Democrats walk down the hallway, probably Pelosi, And says to Biden, time to go, my friend. I'm so sorry, but we're not gonna back you anymore and we're gonna let you go down if you don't resign. And I think he'll come up with something like, Oh, for my health, you know, I have mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. you know, it's been an honor and blah, 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 blah. And they'll 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 stage something along those lines. And I the rumors have been, like I said, for a very long time that what obama has in mind is putting michelle in so mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. uh, vp harris of course would move up and be uh, sworn in as president mm-hmm. and then they would be allowed to pick somebody to be her vice president and i think the idea is michelle
0: so do you think this was the plan all along this is just yes. it sounds like a friggin chess game
1: yes i agree uh, it's machiavellian i there's no question but that's Washington, D.C., if you look at leftist philosophy just in general from anywhere, I mean, you look at Mein Beiderhoff gang way back when in the 70s and 80s and stuff, and or any of them, if you look at the progressive, liberal, socialist, communist, anywhere in the world, you know, they all operate sort of in their little uh, echo chamber where they only talk to each other and they think you know oh we're the greatest geniuses in the world because we all believe this together no matter how stupid it is because they only talk to each other so they don't get outside conversations and mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why they just don't tolerate uh, discussions from conservatives because it's not what they're used to hearing so uh, they view everything as political everything and and there's many references to this for. Decades and decades and decades. We, we've all recognized for for a very long time that leftist philosophy views the entire world through a political prism. If you uh, if, if you even look at uh, uh, the, the old movie, beautiful old movie called Fiddler on the Roof, mm, mm-hmm. there's one section on there where one of the boys that's a teacher uh, is a is a, a socialist or a communist comes to teach one of the daughters of the protagonist of the movie. And he's saying everything is political. Everything is political. Even marriage is political. It's all political. I mean, this is this is something that was done decades ago. And even then they recognized it. So there's this view by anyone who's of that philosophy, communist, socialist, progressive, liberal, of which there's very few differences between those things. They all view all of it as political. So sometimes Republicans come out and say, like, as a conservative, I say on Afghanistan, you know, wait a minute. What's going on there surpasses all politics. Mm -hmm. We need to put our, our hats on straight here and go in and rescue those people. We can't be leaving them behind because that would be wrong. Right. And we need to be better than that. Well, see, now, a leftist isn't capable of that. I say that because that's what I actually think. That's what I believe. That's what should be done. I would volunteer to go back and help with that effort today, given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would, I know that are retired for that. They would go back and don't care about politics. What they want is to get those people out alive, but the left just they can't, they're incapable of doing that. It has to be a political motive for them to do it. Is it going to get them backing? Is it going to get them donations? Does it get them more popularity? It, It is always run through that prism. So, Yes, it's Machiavellian, but that's that's how Obama views the world. It's all political, so everything that he does is political. And I think we all know there's no love lost between Barack Obama and his wife Michelle. Right. I mean, I think we've seen that over and over. But yet uh, he's trying to make her vice president and perhaps president of the United States. It appears, mm-hmm. and why? Because it's political, you know. Mm-hmm. We, I, would you try to put somebody into the office of vice president or president that you don't like? I mean, no, I wouldn't. No.
0: Okay. So, Brad, wow. I th- This is kind of fascinating to me personally because I've always considered myself to be progressive, to be liberal, um, but to be independent. And... You know, this whole censorship thing that's been happening, trying to force people to get these toxic, uh, deathly jabs, you know, it's changed my perspective. And a lot of my friends who considered themselves to be progressive and liberal, and they've changed. They're finding themselves to be much more conservative right now. And I... Uh, you know, it's just, I I just, hmm. I guess maybe it's naivete on my part, because I've always thought politics was a dirty game, and and I didn't want any part of it. I I don't know. It's it's interesting, because I think uh, there are a lot of people, like when I lived in Portland, I'd say probably most of my friends were progressive liberals. And just Want to do good, but these are you know these are just everyday citizens. These aren't the people running things. Hmm. Comments.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I I would say I mean if you look at basically the the, the liberal progressive, most of what uh, they do, pretty much all of the issues are are emotion based. Mm, that they're okay. it's always drawing on the heartstrings of somebody. Like you just said, they're trying to do good, and so all of the issues that are that are pushed by the left are. Are that they're they're geared toward the emotions of people, and there's just a certain percentage of people on the face of the earth that are oriented that way. Their their emotions drive them and and have them make these decisions. And it, what makes makes them feel good and puts endorphins in their brain and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are others which is uh, that that get some a uh, similar feeling, I guess, if you want to put it that way off of thinking and, and, and being rational and going through these things based on facts. So you actually have a dichotomy, you have this group of the, the progressive liberals that operate on this emotion based matrix. And you have the conservatives, by and large, that op- operate off of a fact-based matrix. So something, no matter how much it pisses me off or I think is bad, but if it's that's the fact, then that's how I look at it. That's how I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but the opposite is not true. If you just – now, for example, let me lay something out for you. Okay. Why would you want to be associated with a philosophy that has killed more people on Earth than everything else put together? I mean look at Pol Mm-hmm. communist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh look at and, and let me go up the top 3 murderers of all time in history. The National Socialist German Workers Party comes in at number 3 and that's Mr uh you know Hitler mm-hmm. with the Nazis. National Socialist German Workers Party. A lot of people try to pretend he was something other than a socialist because Propaganda wise, they don't want to you know, they don't want that blamed on the leftist philosophy. But, you know, this again, this is a fact. I look at it as the facts. I don't care about the emotion. So he's in number three. Number two, Stalin. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, from the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, again, socialist. And number three, the top murderer of all time on planet Earth. Chairman Mao of the Communist Party of China. That's number one on Earth for murdering people. So just take those four and and run up the numbers. And and I don't know what person who murders people would come in second place behind the leftist philosophy, but they're way behind. So why would anyone want to be associated with that kind of philosophy? I truly find that bizarre. And there's only one answer. And that answer is they respond to the emotions of the thing. And they ignore the facts because the facts is socialism and communism are murderous. That is what they do. We see today communist China has the Uyghurs uh, sitting Uh, in prison camps where they harvest them daily for their organs because they can sell them for millions of dollars on the black market. What kind of philosophy
0: is that? That makes me nauseous. So,
1: yeah. How is it different than what the Nazis did with Mengele? It's the Uh, same. I know. It's the same philosophy.
0: And I feel like we're going in that direction now. But so, but Brad, I never, I never, and I know my friends never associated being liberal, progressive with communism. I, I never, I never. Knew- well,
1: again, that's, that's an abrogation of fact. I mean, if you want to, you, you the, the two things are simply incompatible. I mean, you, you may not want to associate the two things together, but they are associated together. So to not associate them, you're merely ignoring the facts. Well, okay, I mean, there, there's very little I can say about that. But if if you're a liberal and a progressive, what's the difference between that and what we're seeing the socialists do around the world right now? I mean, it's all the same groups.
0: Right. But what I'm saying is I never, you don't hear those, you know, until you start looking at alternative news sources if your news is coming from the mainstream media, you don't, I, I didn't know that. I, I had no, I, I hadn't heard any facts that connected those together.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's completely understandable. And you'll even see, I mean, it's, it's hard to come by, but it's also part of the reason why, well, you know, who controls the school system and academia? I mean, it's the hard lot. Why do they no longer teach critical thinking? Mm-hmm. It's for this because if you were taught critical thinking, what would you do? You would look at all the tenets of this progressive left-wing philosophy, and you would look at all of those things with crit- using your critical thinking abilities, and you'd go, well, wait a minute. You're saying this, but you know, you're know, you doing this, and that doesn't make any sense. That is why those things are being you know, they're, – they're just not being taught. No – the left does not want critical thinking. They do not want honest debate. No liberal would sit down and, and honestly debate these. On my website, which let me shamelessly plug, that's intelreform.org. <laughs> so it's Americans for Intelligence Reform. And on my website, for example, I get liberals. I, I allow them to comment. I always I, I let that stuff come up. And some of them, as long as it's not swearing, which I get quite a little bit too, which you know I don't I don't comment that way to their stuff. I argue it based on the facts. They argue me based on the emotion. Uh Never have I ever had a liberal, not even one time, come on my website and argue the facts. Ever. They go, you lying SOB, blah, 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 blah. They call me names, but they never argue the facts.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. That's interesting. I'm going to have to really think about that. Because I did, I I sent out an email uh, a few months ago, maybe a couple months ago, with tons of links um, about, you know, the COVID scam and and, and the vaccines and the, the dangers, or they're not even vaccines, the jabs. Uh, and I said at the end I said I don't want to believe that all of this is true. If you can prove me wrong, please do it. I want somebody to debate. I want somebody to tell me I'm wrong with facts, not just, you know, emotion. But nobody did.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It, it's it's not. I've noticed well, I actually refer back to the um uh to the war of independence here in the United States and uh there was a, a small percentage of people that fought for the independence of the united states and there was a small percentage of people that fought for you know england to maintain its power its its grip on on what is now the united states mm-hmm. in america here the vast majority of people just didn't want anything to do with any of it and they're just not political. They're living their lives. They've got their job to do. They've got kids in school. They've got grandma who's sick. They've, they've got all these things going on in their life. So the vast majority of people, even if they if, if they really paid attention, they would figure this stuff out. But they just don't have time mm-hmm. or uh, interest or what, whatever it is. They just can't get to it. And so it's it's one of those things where these are usually decided by fairly small percentages of of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it's it's a bit of a shame. I mean if you read Karl Marx that was sort of what he set up to overcome you know he was talking about socialist man basically learning for everybody to look at everything but again it was that political prism of the left where he that he was describing that you know, everyone has to be able to read. They in those days, of course, very few people actually could read, uh, and and mm-hmm. so that that could be used to educate the people, meaning spread the communist message, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and so it was. It was that was part of his reasoning of what had to be done, and so so that everybody would be informed of what the state wanted them to know, and uh, that's uh, yeah, that, that's just kind of how these things operate today in, in this day and age. I wish, uh, you know, I, there there's. There's only one way to fix the education system today where we can start to bring back critical thinking, and it's just not going to happen. And and I would say that would be uh, basically the voucher system because then people can vote basically with where they send their kids to school, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is wildly popular among the black population, most of the minorities and conservatives. The only ones opposing vouchers are the hardcore left Hmm. against the will of the vast majority of people. But they control the teachers' unions. They control all of the things that, that would allow it to go forward. But look at the beauty of that system, what it would do. Schools would be basically voted on by parents by putting their kids in. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you have a, a student who needs help, say, in reading? Certain schools would become specialized in remedial programs mm-hmm. where they would be fantastic because they would have teachers and experience and other students in the same category. That would take place. What if you have a student who's athletically gifted? There would be schools that would have programs that were better athletic programs. Mm-hmm. What if you had a kid who was gifted in, say, math? You know, there would be schools that would be, that would become specialized in that. It would allow the, the type of education to be so much better. Right now with Common Core and all of these things, it's one size fits all. If you look at, like, math, math, they talk about horizontal math, vertical math. Horizontal math is like bumps on a, on a line, you know, and you count up 10 bumps and take away three bumps – and then you count, you have seven bumps left. I mean, that's how they do it. They're visually doing it. Well, that's remedial math. That was tried in the uh, 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 back in the 60s when we were having the race to space with the Soviet Union, and they put up Sputnik, and we knew we had to produce better mathematicians. All that was looked at and tested and rejected because teaching remedial math is not the way you get Advanced math people. And yet now that's how math is taught all the time. And there's a lot of schools where actual math, what you and I and any, any mature adult would look at it and say, this is math. None of that is taught anymore until fifth grade, hmm. sometimes fourth grade. But mm-hmm. before that, it's, it's all remedial math. Which, what does it do? It brings everybody down to the lowest common denominator so that everybody can get by equally. And that, again, is the difference between the leftist philosophy and a conservative philosophy. The leftist philosophy is the state uber You know, the you, you belong to the state. The state decides what's best for you. And what we want is equal outcome. So mm-hmm. everybody gets exactly the same education. Whereas the conservative philosophy is the rights of the individual. The government, the state, belongs to us. We're the ones that that demand that the state do certain things, not that the state demand we do things for them. And so, if you if you've got that that uh, independent look at it, where you have your own personal rights, which is the basis of the United States of America, mm-hmm. uh, then you should be free to make these choices. You should be free to do all of these things, but. Those right. things have changed. The educational system is against it. And, and, uh, and you were talking about political influence. I mean, just look at the CDC.
0: Hey everyone, before we get into the CDC, this conversation ended up to be an hour and a half. So I asked Brad if we could talk for another half hour and split this into two episodes. So I thought this would be a good place to stop. And we will continue with part two. Hopefully that's agreeable to everybody. So Bradley Johnson has a website called Americans for Intelligence Reform. You may want to check that out before we get to part two. I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about in part two yet, but I think we might talk about 9-11. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you'll join us again for part two. Remember... The podcast website is realjanine.com, J A N E A N. I'm really grateful to Brad for his dedication to the truth and to getting the truth out there and just focusing on the facts, not on emotion. I think, especially in this time, that's really important. What are the facts, not the emotion? Okay. So we'll see you again in part two. And as always, take care and be well.